I try to be as fair and objective as possible when I do these reviews. I try to go the extra mile and read up on movies, listen to commentaries, and watch special features to get an idea of why things happen the way they happen, especially in movies generally considered to be subpar or just plain awful. Sometimes I find myself giving certain movies more credit than other reviewers do, and sometimes the general consensus really does turn out to be mine as well. And after watching Superman 4 again and listening to the writer's commentary, I have to agree with the masses on this one. The tagline on this movie really should have been, you will forget that a man can fly. Superman 4 has the silliest subtitle out of all four Christopher Reeve films, even sillier than Superman 2, The Wrath of Zod, and Superman 3, The Search for Kryptonite. I'm kidding, of course. It's the only one with a subtitle, and it, like the film, isn't exactly subtle. It's a preachy, obvious movie that meant to do something interesting beyond hammering home the point that nuclear arms are bad, war is bad, and greed is the thing that drives those things. But for a myriad of reasons, that's all it manages to do, and the story is a complete disaster. A couple of pretty solid scenes in the beginning, including Clark back in Smallville telling a developer he won't sell the family farm to anyone but farmers because he doesn't want to see it turned into a strip mall, ultimately lead to an incomprehensible head-scratcher of a plot with a lot of half-realized ideas that never form into a cohesive narrative and a lot of missing bits and characterizations that make every single character's motivations confusing or non-existent. So before I really get into it, here's a little background I got from co-screenwriter Mark Rosenthal's commentary. By the way, this is one of the better commentaries I've listened to for a bad movie, because he was involved in the project and knows it's bad. Do yourself a favor and listen to the interviews with the people who made Howard the Duck sometime. It's laughable how they defend some of the bad decisions made in that movie. At any rate, Rosenthal recognizes and is disappointed with how the movie turned out. He talks about the underwhelming effects, the bad choices made with how silly Nuclear Man looks and sounds, and all the scenes that were cut, which he blames for how incomprehensible the movie is. It sounds like the movie we saw isn't much at all like the one he co-wrote, and 45 minutes were cut out from the fully finished final version. Those scenes have never been released, and I doubt there's enough interest in a longer cut, and we'll probably never see them. And while it might help make it make more sense, I can't imagine it would suddenly become a brilliant movie. The cutscenes aren't the only thing dragging the movie down, and Rosenthal spends a lot of time talking about how severely the budget was cut due to the studio Warner Brothers partnered with, Canon, almost going bankrupt as the film went into production. There was no second unit to shoot the action scenes, and tons of bad choices were made to save money. That's why Superman and Nuclear Man both look faded in comparison to the backdrops they're against in flying scenes, why they almost always fly in a straight line, and why all the disaster scenes look like they're from a made-for-TV movie. I don't like to criticize special effects. Good movies have been made with bad effects, and if a script is working, if the acting is working, and if there's a competent director behind the camera, it's really easy for me to look past cheesy effects. I'm a big fan of the original Star Trek series, and I've seen movies with brilliant effects but wish the effects budget had gone for better writing. And now that I've mentioned Star Trek, I think Star Trek Nemesis is a good example of that. But here... Nothing is working, and it's worse because it's the fourth movie in a franchise. We've seen Superman done right, and we have certain expectations. We can't be thinking about Christopher Reeve on wires because we weren't thinking that in the first movie. He was Superman, and he was flying. We also expect to see Superman do spectacular things because we've seen him do them before. But here, spectacles are reduced to use your imagination and fill in the blanks, like the severely chopped up subway scene where Superman has to stop a runaway train in like five seconds and the fight after fight with Nuclear Man, which is essentially the same fight over and over, but in different locations. So the inevitable question arises, is Superman 4 worse than Superman 3? They're both highly panned by critics and fans, and generally Superman 4 gets the shorter end of the stick, though it's a pretty short stick. So I'm going to say yes and no. 
but pretty much yes. Superman 4 is at least about Superman, while all the focus went to Richard Pryor in 3. Superman 4 brings back to the original cast, and of course, they're a lot more fun to watch than anyone who had the spotlight in 3. And even though Nuclear Man is exceptionally lame, and the fights are horribly choreographed, at least Superman isn't fighting a bizarre computer that makes no sense, and the puppet master is Lex Luthor rather than an extremely dull embezzler. On the other hand, Superman 3 is a better-made movie, and while the plot is extremely silly and it doesn't make a lot of sense, it certainly makes more sense than this does. And it made the attempt at doing something new, while Superman 4 relies heavily on rehashing ideas and scenes from the first two films. The thing that's really frustrating is I like the idea of really examining Superman's purpose and function as a character, which is what the movie wants to do, but it isn't really getting the chance to do that. The question is, why doesn't Superman do more than he does? He's so powerful... Why doesn't he solve all the world's problems for it? The movie was made toward the end of the Cold War. The nuclear arms race was still heavily on people's minds. With the world on the brink of total annihilation, why wouldn't Superman just get rid of all the nukes? And the really interesting thing is, even if no one went along with it, no one could possibly stop him. If Superman wanted to proclaim himself ruler of the world, or even proclaim himself God, there's not much anyone could say about it. So the other great question is, if Superman did take it upon himself to make the decision for humanity to get rid of their nuclear problem, could humanity trust him? I, for one, don't believe you can trust Superman, no matter how trustworthy he's been in the past, to make world policy like this and not let it drive him mad. I can imagine it starting with good intentions. Well, if people had no nukes, they might still make war, but at least they couldn't blow up their whole planet. Okay, but once you've made that decision for a whole species, isn't it easier to make more decisions like that in the future? Even if everyone did go along with it, when would they start saying, Superman, you've gone too far? I mean, well, I told Lois she should think about quitting smoking because it's a bad habit. Smoking kills people. Maybe he'd later decide smoking is too dangerous, and since humans can't take it upon themselves to get rid of cigarettes, that's his responsibility too. Then maybe he'd go after illegal drugs because people kill over them. Then maybe he'd go after fatty foods because they give people heart attacks. Then maybe he'd go after rap music and violent video games because he heard some study that they make kids kill people. So he throws all that stuff out into the sun as well. Once you give one person the kind of authority the world nations freely seem to give Superman in this movie, he becomes the moral authority on everything. It's like electing God. Now, I know I'm getting maybe a little more political than I have any business being in a superhero movie review, but it's nearly impossible to talk thematically about this movie without discussing politics. Now, sure, it doesn't explicitly state anything about the political situation itself, but it has no finesse. The idea of questioning how much power Superman should really have over mankind is fascinating, but you can't tell me there's no way to do that without doing a current hot-button issue. I don't mean the film should be nothing but allegory, but perhaps a character-driven story with a situation similar to nuclear arms, but different. Somewhat like Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And I don't know why Star Trek keeps coming up in this review. First off, making it nuclear weapons completely dates it. If you weren't around during the Cold War, you won't appreciate how close to disaster everyone really thought we were. And secondly, no matter how the movie ends, with a title like The Quest for Peace, with a minor antagonist trying to take control of the Daily Planet and turning it into sensational garbage whose last name is Warfield, and when Lex Luthor is quoting world leaders at the time, a point Rosenthal makes in his commentary, saying, nobody wants war, I just want to keep the threat alive, it's hard not to feel like this movie only exists because it has an agenda. And it doesn't matter whether or not you agree with that agenda, it's still heavy-handed. So Superman goes against Jor-El's original code of ethics. Here, for whatever reason, it's restated in a fortress scene with the Kryptonian Council. You are forbidden to interfere. 
he decides if he doesn't, humanity might be destroyed. So he tells the world he's getting rid of nuclear weapons, and pretty much everyone just goes along with it. No one questions this, except for Lex and other illegal arms dealers. It isn't until the very end of the movie, when Superman finally defeats Lex's nuclear clone of Superman, that he abruptly decides he was wrong, and that it isn't his place to make that choice for humanity. I do like where the movie ultimately comes down on this issue, that the threat of nuclear war is terrible, but humanity can never change if they allow someone more powerful than them to make their decisions for them. Superman is a symbol of good, not the final authority on right and wrong. As one of the council members says in The Fortress, if you teach the world to put their faith in any one man, even yourself, you are teaching them to be betrayed. And then a perfectly good line is ruined when the council person melodramatically says betrayed over and over and over again. But I don't know what changed Superman's mind. It certainly wasn't a backlash from the people of the world. Most of them acted like mindless drones and just went along with it. He makes his big speech right after he finally defeats Nuclear Man, but I'm not sure how that fight changed his mind. Perhaps the idea is supposed to be that even if he gets rid of every nuclear weapon, he can't be everywhere at once, and someone like Lex Luthor will get more made. But this isn't stated, and it's a motivation that, again, is probably lost somewhere in the scenes that were cut out. It is really nice to see the original cast back, but unfortunately, they just can't save this movie. Every time Lois is on screen, I find myself trying to figure out whether or not she knows Clark is Superman. This movie can't make up its mind about this. When Superman is trying to decide what to do about the nuclear weapons, he goes to see Lois and, just to cheer himself up, he shows her he's Superman, flies her around the city, and uses the magic kiss from Superman 2 to make her forget about the whole thing. But later, when Clark is extremely ill and Lois comes to see how he's doing, the innuendo in the conversation isn't exactly thinly veiled. It's pretty obvious she knows she's talking to Superman. But then, did the magic kiss wear off? Did it ever work in the first place? Does she just pretend? If she does know through the whole movie, why does she give Clark tips on dating Lacey Warfield? The movie thinks it's being clever by having Clark date Lacey and Lois dating Superman, but it's inconsistent about what Lois knows. And when Superman gets his strength back, we never see him magic kiss Lois again, so we have to assume she's at least still suspicious at the end. The thing is, I don't care about any of this romance if Superman can just make it all go away with a superpower. I mean, why are we watching a poor imitation of the Superman-Lois flying scene from the first film if it's only there to make Superman feel better? Isn't that a little unethical for Superman also, using someone to cheer him up and then wiping their memories? I, I wonder if he does this a lot. That can't be healthy for her brain. As silly as it was at the end of Superman 2, he did it for her. He did it because he could tell how badly she was hurting since they couldn't be together. Here, he just does it for purely selfish reasons. And the stuff with Lacey Warfield doesn't work either, because we know Clark is in love with Lois and no one else is going to take her place. Watching Clark date another woman is pointless. Watching Clark and Superman on a double date is absurd. It might have been a little funny if Superman had a better reason for going along with this. Clark and Superman both agree to be in the same place at the same time, and there's no reason Clark couldn't have just made an excuse and bowed out of it. I had the same problem here I have with Lester's Superman 2. You can't just make up powers to fit your scene. Oh, the Great Wall of China has been destroyed. Superman will take care of this with his telekinesis. Oh, Superman needs to make a quick exit. He'll use his ability to use heat vision through a wall to make Lois's duck cook faster. Then he'll use his ability to make doorbells ring without him being anywhere near the door. Donner clearly defined what Superman's powers were in, in this continuity with his first film. The subsequent movie should have stuck with that. Because we as an audience feel cheated every time a new superpower gets whipped out that we didn't know about. 
especially because we're always going to be able to think of instances where he could have used that power earlier, but the writers didn't think of it yet, so he didn't. And Nuclear Man just doesn't feel like much of a threat, considering that hair, that costume, and the constant growling. He's supposed to be a clone of Superman, and originally Christopher Reeve was going to play both parts. That would have been fun. With the right money behind it, that could have been a fight of comic book epic proportions. We could have even had another comic book-based villain, and he could have been Bizarro. Instead, he's this mindless hulk of muscle with Lex's voice and the most head-scratching powers ever. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Superman get his powers from the sun already? So if you shot your Superman clone into the sun to be born, why wouldn't he just be a souped-up version of Superman? With the same abilities, maybe a little more enhanced because he was born in the sun? But my point is, his weakness makes no sense. If he's not in direct contact with sunlight, his energy is drained and he can't function. But Superman is solar-powered also. That doesn't happen to him. And if Nuclear Man can absorb so much nuclear energy, why can't he store it? And why does he weaken Superman? If anything, Superman should get stronger fighting this guy. It's like fighting the Yellow Sun, and that's where his powers come from. And while we're on the subject, I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure one side of the moon is always dark. So when the sun rises to give Nuclear Man his powers back on the moon, that's just hilarious. And how about the Russian astronaut wearing a spacesuit so he'll have something to breathe, versus Lacey, who is dragged into space by Nuclear Man and seems to be doing just fine. What is she breathing? Why didn't she burn up in the atmosphere? And why the heck does Nuclear Man suddenly have an obsession with her? He saw her picture in the paper, flew off, and grabbed her. More scenes were apparently cut that led up to this, but I'm not sure anything could have made this a cool plot twist. I mean, does he have some of Superman's memories and already knows her somehow? The good ideas aren't fleshed out and aren't given any screen time. Perry White saving the Daily Planet from corporate tycoons is a fun idea, but it's rushed and ultimately feels superfluous. It just fills out the running time. Clark trying to uphold his old-fashioned standards while the world changes around him is really what the movie should have been about, starting with the scene in Smallville. But that gets lost so quickly it's easy to forget it was even here. Superman 4 will always have a place for me, just because it's the first film I saw in the theater. Tim Burton's Batman is what really got me into superheroes, but this one planted the seed. I was three years old, and my dad tells me I was so riveted I never took a bite of my popcorn or a drink of my Coke. If I was so enthralled with such a bad movie, I kind of wonder how I would have reacted to Superman 2. I'm going to give Superman 4 a .5 out of 4, and that .5 is for the returning cast, who all does their best but can't begin to save this disaster. Maybe it's harder to watch because it's the last appearance of these actors playing these roles, and it's such a pale imitation of the masterpiece the first film was. Ba, ba, ba. But I